Hi, my name is Joel Knox. I'm the senior pastor at the Vineyard Church of Brenham in Brenham, Texas. I'm so glad you're interested in our podcast. This media is completely free to you, so you can share it with anyone else, however you'd like. Our church is located at 1401 South Bluebell Road in Brenham at the corner of Tom Green Street next to the Bluebell Creamery and across from the Bluebell Aquatic Center. You can also find us on the web at vineyardbrenham.org and on Facebook and Twitter at Vineyard Brenham. Anyway, thanks again for stopping by, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Well, that was the late Pete Seeger singing an old spiritual from the 1800s, Study War No More. It's also been called Down by the Riverside and several different names. And it's based on the words of the prophet Micah. And he said, People from many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God. There he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the Lord's teaching will go out from Zion, his word will go out from Jerusalem. The Lord will mediate between the peoples and will settle disputes between strong nations far away. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will no longer fight against nation or train for war anymore. Now, if you know anything about Pete Seeger, he was kind of on the left side in terms of politics. But, you know, lots of, lots of artists kind of find themselves over there. So, you know, bless their hearts. But the truth is, and, 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 and this is the truth, peace isn't a liberal or a conservative concept. I think we can all agree on that. It's a kingdom concept. And Jesus came to bring us peace. Can we say amen to that? Amen. Now, before I begin, last week I made a statement during communion. And I just want to clarify myself real quickly just to make sure that you don't think that we're going in, in some some alternate direction. I, 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 in trying to appeal to anyone who might have been in the room last week who wasn't a believer, I made the statement that you didn't have to be a believer in order to take communion. Well, by the nature of what we're doing in taking communion, you have to acknowledge what Jesus did. And I, I believe that a person could experience salvation when taking that bread and that cup. But it requires that we make the decision of who Jesus is. So I just wanted to make sure before we get any further, and, and there were a few who, who spoke to me last week, and I, and, I, and I apologize, but I wanted to make sure I got that out there unequivocally, and it's also on tape, that that we're not going in that, that heathen direction. So um, so please forgive me, and I'll try not to make a statement like that again. Okay. Are we good? Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on. 
We're in the second week of Advent, and we're continuing our series, Humble King, Royalty Meets Humility at Christmas. And as we indicated during the Advent reading this morning, the second week of Advent is the week of peace. And with that, I want to talk to you about the humble king of peace. On September 30th, 1938, British Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain, after returning from a meeting in Munich with the German Chancellor Adolf Hitler, spoke to a crowd assembled outside the Parliament building in London and read the following statement. The settlement of the Czechoslovakian problem, which has now been achieved, is, in my view, the, only the prelude to a larger settlement in which all Europe may find peace. This morning I had another talk with the German Chancellor, Er Hitler, and here is the paper which bears his name upon it as well as mine. Some of you perhaps have already heard what it contains, but I would just like to read it to you. We regard the agreement signed last night and the Anglo-German naval agreement as symbolic of the desire of our two peoples never to go to war with one another again. He concluded his remarks by telling those present, my good friends, for the second time in our history, a British Prime Minister has returned from Germany bringing peace with honor. I believe this is peace for our time. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Now go home and get a nice quiet sleep. On September the 1st, 1939, not quite a year later after issuing this statement, Germany invaded Poland. An act of aggression that effectively marked the beginning of World War II. And that conflict would rage on for another six years and an estimated 70 to 85 million civilians and armed forces personnel would die before it ended in 1945. Neville Chamberlain today is remembered harshly for exhibiting grave naivete and ignorance in his attempt to appease Adolf Hitler to avoid starting the war in Europe. And the truth is, he, like most of the world at the time, just wanted peace. The English philosopher Thomas Hobbes said, the condition of man is a condition of everyone against everyone. And then a writer by the name of Chris Hedges for the New York Times wrote an article that appeared in a 2003 article called what every person should know about war. And I just wanted to read some of the highlights. He starts out by asking, what is a war? War is defined as an active conflict that has claimed more than a, a thousand lives. Has the world ever been at peace? Of the past 3,400 years, humans have been entirely at peace for 268 of them or just 8% of recorded history. How many people have died in war? At least 108 million people were killed in wars in the 20th century alone. 
Estimates for the total number killed in wars throughout all of human history range from 150 million to 1 million. And war has several other effects on population, including decreasing the birth rate by taking men away from their wives. The reduced birth rate, birth rate during World War II is estimated to have caused a population deficit of more than 20 million people. Now, we as Americans, we tend to take it for granted that we had no military conflict on our soil in over 150 years. Yes, we've had our families who have, have, have been servicemen and women who have participated in conflicts, but those conflicts were over there. They weren't here on our soil. In some parts of the world, war and fighting is just a way of life. It brings with it unspeakable horrors and terrible far-reaching consequences. And the humble king came so that one day we would never have to fight on another battlefield again or ever suffer violence. 2,000 years ago in a field somewhere outside of Bethlehem, an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped in snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth with whom God is pleased. Or another translation says, on whom his favor rests. That announcement served as basically serving notice to the kingdom of darkness that the kingdom of God was advancing. And everything had changed. God's plan of salvation was in full motion. Just as the Old Testament prophet Isaiah proclaimed, for unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. And of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forevermore. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Or in other words, it cannot be completed in the power of man. Praise be to God. Now, I realize that I've been talking about warfare this morning 
And I've been talking about conflict. And the elimination of war and violence. Well, the, the word peace means so much more than just the absence. At the absence. I did brush my teeth this morning. <laughs> the word peace means so much more than just the absence of conflict. And in Scripture, there are two distinct words that we use to derive the word peace from. The first one, and it's pretty familiar to most of us, is the word, the Hebrew word, shalom. Shalom means to complete or to make whole, to make sound, to put things within proper order. As seen in Isaiah's declaration before, that the king would come and he would set everything right and everything would be in its place. The government would be on his shoulders, is what the prophet said. And his rule and reign would make the people of God complete and whole in their relationship with God and with each other. And we know from, from what Jesus did in Scripture that Jesus restored that relationship between man and God and between each other. And he set everything back in its proper order by making everything right through his death on the cross. Well, there's another word that's in the New Testament. The New Testament was, was written in Greek and Aramaic. And that Greek word for peace is a word called irene. You don't have to really know that, but you just need to understand what it stands for and what it means. It means harmony. Not that it's really different from shalom, but it means harmony, security, safety, prosperity, salvation, and assurance. And the best way to describe how how the word was used in the New Testament, we, I want to look at a couple of passages from the Apostle Paul. The first one is in Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 14 says, For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when, in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and its regulations. And he made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility towards each other was put to death. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt like you didn't quite fit in? Have you ever felt like that, that you weren't accepted? 
if you were like this or like that, maybe I might be accepted, but I, I'm, I'm not accepted as I am now. The significance of what Jesus did, the peace that he made, broke down the walls of hostility. And, and yes, that Paul uses the example of Jew and Gentile, but he's also broken down the walls of hostility that exist, exist between races, that exist between the sexes. There's, there's really, and Paul goes into this in another passage, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female. All is, in, is one in Christ Jesus. That's the peace that Jesus brought to the earth. That's the picture of the, of the peace that Jesus offers in himself. But there's another passage, and I kind of like it because we just finished the book of Colossians a few weeks ago. But in Paul's letter to the Colossians, he explained a little bit more of this, this peace in a way that just really, I, I couldn't do it justice. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 19, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. What's it like to be in a situation where things are not reconciled? It's horrible. You know, we're going into the holidays, and, and, I've, and I've talked to different ones, and they've told me, yeah, I don't like the holidays because, yeah, you know, I have to get together with family, know what's going to happen. I go over to my brothers or I go to my sisters. I go to my aunt's house, and I know what, what's, what's going to happen when I'm there. Well, Jesus came that we might be reconciled in our relationship, that we might be re reconciled in our communities, that we might be reconciled in our neighborhoods. You know, I, I've, I've heard of people who, they, they didn't get along with their neighbors. And, and they, they, they fought with each, each other constantly. And, you know, you hear these things, you see stuff on the news, and, and these, these things get escalated. You know, there's, there, somehow they can't find a way to work it out. But Jesus came that we can work it out. He came that we might be reconciled. I did a little preaching there, but Paul goes on and says, He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. That's what made it possible. The humble king suffered violence so that we wouldn't have to. You know that? He submitted himself. This is one of the, the earliest lessons that we that we're taught whenever we're in, in children's church in Sunday school. That Jesus died for our sins. He hung on a cross because he didn't want us to have to. And in doing so, he shared his kingdom with us and made us heirs. And, you know, there are sometimes we, we tend to make, make, a, 
make differences between, you know, well, uh, in terms of, of adoption. But but there 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 are those that you know they 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 struggled with with fitting into families, and you know and 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 they they, they talk about how that well you know I, I I was adopted I was never really treated like I, I fit in or whatever. God in his in his perfection is the perfect father and he accepts us and so when he says that we've been adopted that we've been made heirs it's not like well yeah but you know kind of favor Jesus a little bit more than you you know you're, you're, you're adopted but you know that, that kind of redheaded stepchild that's not how God operates he treats us all the same and he loves us all the same and he shows us that we belong that we belong, that we we are part of the family. And if if the brother gets a gets a big heap and help of, of, of mashed potatoes, then I get one too. We're all treated the same. And it's because of God's love, Jesus and his sacrifice for us. So <laughs> so I want to ask you this morning because I'm pretty much done don't you like it when the preacher doesn't preach a long time I, I, I think I, I'll reserve the right later whenever I, I go over you know just remember I, I, I did give you an early Sunday but I, but I want to ask you this morning and this is the thing about about the holidays and this is the thing about about Advent and the reason why I love it so much because we get to focus on these themes at Christmas. You know, the theme of, of joy is coming next week. And then the theme of love follows after that. The theme of peace this morning. And and last week we had, well, what was last week? I, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember. Oh, thank you very much. I'm going to edit that out of the... <laughs> But each of these, I mean, when, when we get into the holidays, let, let, let's face it, by the time we get to the end of the year, sometimes it, we're just trying to hold ourselves together and just hoping, you know, for, for something better next year. Some folks, you know, that uh, 2018 was pretty good to me, but there's, I've got friends that had a really rough 2018, and maybe you have. Well, if you're here this morning, this isn't just a, just a message about peace. So that we can we can just go home and we can kind of look at the snow globe and or we can look at our Christmas tree and just kind of kind of feel a little bit better than we're feeling now. I mean, this this peace that Jesus brings is for every day. It's for every experience that you have in your life. It's for anything that you're going through. You can experience the peace of God that Paul said passes understanding. And that's why we celebrate it. So that we, can, we might be able to live it. So I want to invite you to stand this morning. <laughs>